0: I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Albarigo, and this is the School Owner Talk podcast. Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnertalk.com. Uh, good morning, Ally, and it's a pleasure to be with you, sir.
1: Hey, Dwayne, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you as well, man. So I'm
0: ready to rock and roll today, man.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, um, I, I think it's cool because like we do, we had a great guest last week, right? You know, and it was, uh, or we did our own podcast last week, the week before, I forget now. But right. um, it's kind of like every other week we try to do our own thing and you and I just talk about our experiences and and so on.
0: Yeah, and today, um, and I know we've touched about uh, on this in a, in a previous podcast to a certain degree. I think we're going to go in a different area this time, but uh, really just being able to stay motivated as a martial arts school owner between the different, you know, struggles, depression, lack of, of motivation on a daily basis, those type of things, and and you know, I don't want to get esoteric or anything, but just how to handle those situations and overcome them. I mean, that's really what we want to talk about today.
1: Yeah. And, and we've gotten, you know, during our talks when we kind of move down this avenue a little, you and I, people will comment and they'll say, Oh, it's really refreshing to hear people talk about this because I think that, you know, our industry is filled with, and and, and by the way, social media is filled with a lot of, you know, positive people, always talking about positive things yet. They're not living behind the scenes with a positive lifestyle. It's almost like seeing your favorite comedian makes you laugh. He seems so funny and so happy. And then you hear them a few years later, committed suicide or a week later. And you think like on the surface, everybody's good and, you know, and they're great and their whole life is great. But in the reality is it's just the fake uh, part of their persona. So I w- people like it when you and I chat about, you know, what struggles we go through because they're experiencing it. They just don't hear it from others in the industry.
0: Yeah. I think that everybody wants to, like you said, put on the persona that everything's fine. Everything's going great. And I think that that's good. And that's, that's actually part of it. I can remember when I bought my partners out, I, I was scared, yeah. you know, I, I was young. I hadn't obviously had never run a business before. And even in even in buying my partners out, I made some bad decisions yeah. as I was buying them out. But I decided to kind of use Zig Ziglar's telling the truth in advance. And what he had talked about was the fact that, you know, when somebody asks him a question, how are you doing? He'll, he'll say super great, but I'll get better or I'm getting better or, or outstanding, right. but I'm improving. And then the question is, you know, is posed. Well, are you? Are you always outstanding? Are, are you always super great? No, but one, nobody wants to listen, right? Uh, if you're not doing well. And then two, the, the other piece of that is you are projecting that it is going to be better in the future, that you're not going to be in the same situation that you're in right now. So I decided when people were going to ask me, hey, how's how's business? I would just say business is booming. Right. Now, was business always booming? No. And quite often the times that I was asked, this was really interesting. The times that I was asked how business was doing was probably some of the times that were uh, the hardest or the worst. Right. And some people say, well, you're lying. And I, and I wasn't. I was projecting the future that I wanted. Right. And I wanted to focus on that. The business is booming, not the, the businesses. Uh, you know, crappy right now, or I made bad decisions, or, uh, you know, or or this parent hates me or whatever it is, you know, I didn't really want to focus on those. It's not that I neglected them. But that's not where I wanted my energies to be.
1: Yeah. And you know what, listen, I mean, if you're in business, it's destiny that you're going to struggle with the day to day life, part of life, right? Life is not easy, right? I think in I know that you're you're a Christian and and a man of faith. I know that even in the Bible, um, but in Buddhism they say like life is a hell on earth is like we live the struggles. Heaven is going to be amazing because you're not going to have to deal with those everyday struggles and and trials and tribulations and frustrations. Right. If you did, it wouldn't be heaven. It would yeah. be hell. Right. So um, yeah. you know, so that's an interesting concept of Buddhism, too. It's like we're in it right now. Um, but what do we do uh, to change what we're experiencing? And, and I'm reading a really good book or listening to it called uh, Can't Hurt Me. And it's by David Goggins, the former Hmm. Navy SEAL. One of his first book was Can't Touch Me, I think it was. And this one is Can't Hurt Me. And he talks about how he went through life and he made, you know, his life was an upbringing was terrible. And, uh, you know, his father beat his mother and they had all these drugs and alcohol in the family. He said he let himself up until the age of 23, 24 years old. He let those experiences determine who he was and what he did and how life would treat him. And, you know, uh, you know, all the experiences they had that were negative were were someone else's fault until he started changing the way he wanted to see his future.
0: Yeah, I, I. I find it interesting now at almost 50 years of age, you know, I look at, I look at, at, at my life. i I've always been pretty much a, uh, a positive person. Mm-hmm. Not that I haven't ever been negative. I always chose to look at the bright side of things. I can remember even being a kid and my middle brother, you know, something would happen and, and then I would, you know, apologize or whatever. And he, he, I remember this, he said to me, he goes, how do you get over it that quick? Right. And I'm like, well, I apologize. I made a mistake or, you know, this person did me wrong and you know, we had it out and now I'm ready to move on. Now, whether or not we're going to be friends ever again, that's a different story. Um, But I, I just, I, I'm pretty decent at, and I don't know how I am. It may be part of my makeup, but I'm pretty decent at compartmentalizing things. Not that they don't run over from time to time, not that, you know, stubbing my toe doesn't make me have a bad day the rest of the day. Like I'm using that as an analogy, but I've always been pretty decent about compartmentalizing things and then not holding hatred. Right. Um, for that person or that individual. And, you know, this was well before I even became a Christian, but now actually, you know, uh, looking at the Christian um, philosophy, because it talks about in Proverbs that, you know, don't uh, don't cheer or don't say hooray or whatever it is. I'm giving the Dwayne Bremmett version, but um, don't gloat when your enemy gets their dessert. Right. Like, you know, because what that does to you, you know, that just emphasizes the revenge that you wanted in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I don't even... Uh, whether it's my former partners um, and how that all went down to uh, other individuals that I feel have done me wrong in, in my entrepreneurial history. Right. Uh, Even people that I've fired, I've just moved on. It's not anything that I want to put my energies into anymore. I want to be in creative mode and create mode um, as opposed to destructive mode. Right. Um, I operate better there. I'm happier there. Yeah. Um, and really, if you think about it, we have the privilege to be able to create this environment in our schools that will foster whatever it is, the type of environment that we want. I, I kind of jokingly say this, but I really mean it. I tell everybody this is my happy house. Yeah. And if, and if you're not happy, I'm not the one that's leaving.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. I love that line. That's a great one. You know, I look at it like this. My yoga teacher, uh, Swami Bhaji, was 124 years old. I've talked about him, you know, many times. When he passed, you know, away, it was devastating to me. But at the same time, when he was alive, he used to say to me, he goes, while you're thinking of what people are saying or doing or how they wronged you or how they felt about you or whatever's going on, he says you're worried about them they're out tap dancing having the times of their lives right so yes. uh, the analogy of tap dancing is a little bit different nowadays uh, but that was when people went out and had a fun time you know and uh, they gave you spent no thought whatsoever on you while you're internalizing everything from them like i'll give you an example my my two neighbors across the street from me are feuding they've been feuding for years one of them was a student of mine McCoy's
0: and (laughs) Hatton.
1: Pretty much. They're like, I mean, drop dead, you know, drop down threatens and fights and screaming and yelling cops coming. And I, I spoke to the one student of mine who I no longer train because he has such a hot-headed temper. I yeah. said, I can't teach you because if I teach you something that's damaging and you use it on somebody, I'm going to be responsible for that. Uh, but anyway, I, I had a talk with him and I said, do you want to come home and be miserable every day while you pull up to your house, have that anger in your heart about what that neighbor is doing to you and, and vice versa. They both do each other. I mean, one is crazy and the other ones are not. But uh, with that being said, um, you know, why you live that way, you know, and where it's the same thing that goes with worry. And a lot of this is, uh, you know, kind of why I came up with the topic and and I kind of posed it for you, uh, you know, about why, how do we deal with sadness and depression, you know, cause we all go through it. Like there are days where we're happy, super satisfied, thankful for what we have. And then there are other days that are really frustrating. You know, we deal with a parent. Like I have one parent, uh, just recently who complained that they I'm charging $20 for a seminar where I have a world renowned masters coming in to teach and I ask for 20 bucks, um, Only so 20. $20, not 29 or 49 or 99, but $20 and they're mad and they're boycotting the seminar. So they're not going to allow their kid to come because they feel for some reason that it should be free. Um, and, uh, nothing I could do about changing their thoughts, but the weird thing is is that they have this mindset and I've been kind of annoyed over it for the last two days but I got to remind myself to let it go because it doesn't matter what they think. I have to kind of move on and just be happy or else they they could poison my next few days.
0: Oh, definitely. And your interaction with everybody else. So you should have called me, man. We could have talked about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I went out to breakfast with my
1: buddies today. One of them is a Sifu Kellerman and he wrote just now holding resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die, you know, and, and I find that too, like, you know, we forgive for ourselves. We don't really necessarily forgive others so that they can feel better, although, because we can't really truly release them of their guilt for what they've done. You know, we can say we forgive them, but really forgiveness is for us. It it helps us get rid of and release and throw away that negative emotion that we're carrying with us because we don't forgive them. What else is the choice? Hold on to it.
0: And yeah, well, I just going. did a speech. Yeah, I just did a speech at um, uh, a school for their career day, and one of the things that inside of it, I, 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 one is, you know, I told them that psychologists say that you know gratitude is the healthiest human emotion, and yeah. that 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 revenge is the unhealthiest. Yeah. Human emotion, and I said, you know, I just asked them the question: How many of you guys have ever screwed up before? You know, right. Like, yeah, you know, I screwed up before. And, uh, all right. How many of you guys have ever screwed up before? And, and, uh, you, you gave yourself grace. You're like, you know what? Shouldn't beat myself up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I made a mistake. They all raised their. Yeah. So how many of you guys had somebody else do something to you and you were angry about it. And yet you showed yourself more grace than you showed them. Right. And right. Like everybody put their hand up and I go. Yeah. Exactly, and I said that's where a lot of our problems are, are are lying because we will give ourselves a pass much more easier or easily than we are going to give somebody else a pass. Yeah, and and or and or grace, not necessarily pass, because that's probably not the right term to, say, to right. say. But I guess now being in business for as long as I have been, I know you've been in business longer than me, but I I, I really am not. Uh, surprised on how people act anymore. Yeah, I have low expectations. Yeah, so then I'm not disappointed. Now, yeah. I, I, I sh- but I don't have low standards. See, there's a difference, right? I have low expectations on how people are going to interact with me.
1: Mm-hmm. I do
0: not have low standards, meaning I expect people to interact with me at a certain level, right, in a certain way.
1: Right. And I'm not going to
0: put up with it if they're not willing to do that. But it doesn't disappoint me anymore because I have lower standards for them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It totally
1: does. That's actually a comment that my uh, business partner in my website business always would say to me, says, expect people to stoop to the lowest standards. Right. He says, she said, when you have expectations of how a person is supposed to act or what they're supposed to do or how they were supposed to speak, You're always going to be let down because your standards are your standards they are at a different level. And even they might be different than others. It might be that, you know, you're way higher standards than others that just you have to hold only yourself accountable or else you're always going to be disappointed.
0: Right. And now it's not to say that you don't look at the situation. And by the way, you look at each situation individually and try to dissect it to see where it fell apart. Was there a miscommunication? Was there something that I said right. that was miscommunicated? Was it something that they said that was miscommunicated? You know, one of the biggest things that I, I think we do or we should do um, is when there, and this is what we do, is if there's an altercation, if there's a hiccup somewhere, you know, I, I always apologize to the individual for the confusion. Now, I don't apologize for the situation not knowing everything yet. But I apologize, you know, look, I'm. thanks for meeting with me. I'm so sorry that this, you know, didn't happen the way that maybe we all wanted it to happen. Right. M- my, can you tell me your, your viewpoint on what went down and, um, you know, and all that. And so then they tell me, and then I follow, do a follow-up question. And this is where the key is. The follow-up question is, all right, um, you know, what would you like to see happen Within reason, of course. But what would you like to see happen that would make this situation better? Right. So that we can resolve this. And Mm -hmm. I'd like them to give me what they think should happen, because then I can kind of see where they're coming from. Right. If it's doable and I think it's reasonable, then I do it. Right. If it's not doable, I will tell them the reason why that's not doable yeah. And it's usually because, you know, they're not being reasonable or we don't see things eye to eye, kind of like maybe the situation that you just had. Yeah. Uh, you're not seeing things eye to eye. And then that's when I just say, you know, look, um, unfortunately, in this instance, we're going to have to uh, agree to disagree. Now, you don't have to agree to that, but that's my standpoint. I'm going to agree to disagree. Hopefully this doesn't damage our relationship in the future. Right. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we can solve this.
1: Yeah. And, and that's a great, you know, if you wrote out those steps, that would be a really great way to solve or, you know, fix a situation. And, and and by the way, if it's like you said, you can agree to disagree. And if it's not fixable, at least you can understand where you both stand, even if it's on the opposite sides of the stage. Right. So I think that where that's one mistake. I think school owners make continuously is that we feel that we want to be surrounded with people only who believe in exactly what we believe. And the, the reality is that there's only small percentages of people That believe small percentages of what we believe, right? They might like what we do, but they might not believe it's real, or they might, you know, they might be into the system of the martial art we teach, but they're not really into it the way we are. And and these are things that we forget because. And and by the way, if we internalize that, we will be frustrated forever. Well, look, that's uh, you know, my
0: head instructor. He started with me when he's eleven. Right. That's when he started. He's 34 now. He started working for me either at 14 or 15. I I just forget which which it was. But we don't agree on everything. Right. Now, do I have the final say? Yes. Do I allow him um, the opportunity to tell me how he feels and what he thinks? Absolutely. Sometimes he's come up with better ideas than me. Yeah. But uh, like a a recent one is we revamped our uh, storm team. Presentation. So the storm team, special team role models, that's individuals that are coming in to be able to help out right. with, you know, learn how to teach. Right. And uh, I came up with a new way that I want it done. There are bits and pieces of it, the delivery of it. Right. He doesn't agree with. Right. Um, But I want it done that way. And I listened yeah. to what he had to say. I said, you know what? I mean, I hear you. I know why you want it done this way, but we're going to test it out this way first. If we need to alter it, you know, we're going to give it a quarter and we're going right. to see how it works. Right. He's like, okay, yes, sir. And he would have said, yes, sir. Anyways, that's just who he is. Yeah. But he needed to know that I heard him and that I listened and that I took into consideration what he uh, said. And, and by the way, he knows that I would do that anyways, just because of our history. I've done that over the years. Right. Um. So it, and I bring that up because even your closest allies in your school aren't always going to agree with you.
1: Yeah, they're
0: exactly. just not. And um, the other thing I was going to bring up too is when you do have a disagreement and and it really is your fault. And I learned this from Grandmaster Keith Hafner um, and I've always followed it ever since, which is, I think it's, it's a really, really good uh, framework. You screwed up, something should have happened that didn't happen or you made the mistake, whatever it is. First things first is obviously you sit down, talk about it, work through it, apologize mm-hmm. and ask them to forgive you. Right. And then um, the next two steps don't have to happen in order, however you want it to happen. The next time you see them, you just walk up and say, you know what? I I just wanted to tell you how sorry I was again. I know I already asked you to forgive me, but it's just, you know, I, I really am sorry. Right. And then you write an apology note, just something simple. Hey, thanks for meeting with me. I'm glad we were able to, you know, Uh, come to a resolution, whatever it is, right? I'm glad you forgave me for my screw up. Boom. And put it in the mail. Three steps. Now there's a part of me that
1: loves what you're saying. And then there's that part of me as a teacher that probably would say like, you know, Hey, listen, if they don't like it, then the hell with them. You know, like it's my dojo, it's my school. It's what I believe. It's my rules, my regulations. And they're, you know, if they don't like it, get the hell out of here. You know, like that's well, the no old school teacher. Yeah. Right. But I don't want to, I would never do that. Uh, I mean, I used to do it, but I wouldn't do it. Now I would try to find and deal with it and and speak and help. But sometimes I'm just at the point where I'm like, you know what? It's time to go away.
0: Now let me give you a, for instance. Uh, so at, this was back when we were doing one sixty nine a month. Well, somebody, I don't remember which program director did it. But they the, the person wanted to split their payments up. Right well, the program direct. So that would have been what what 79.50 or something like that two times a month. But the program director actually put 60 169 a month or excuse me, two times a month. Right. Two times a month. Now, luckily, we were the ones that found it, but after about 600 dollars in. Right. So I contacted them, and this was in the middle of COVID. Right. I contacted them, said, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry this happened. And um, and it was funny because uh, the dad signed the kid up, but it was the mom's card. And the mom just didn't know. She just thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's $169 every two weeks. Right, right. And so I was talking with the mom and she's like, oh, my gosh, that makes sense. And I said, I'm so sorry. We talked about it. And I go. Um, I, I can charge you back. I said, or I can drive a check over to your house today. Right. So that you can, she's like, would you, I said, absolutely. So I wrote the check out, drove it to her house, put it in the mailbox, walked away, called her up, said, Hey, I just dropped a check off. You know, can you make sure you got it? Yep. I got it. And then, um, I didn't do step two because they never came back into the studio. Ah. Um, but I did do a handwritten note. Hmm. But That's it's, amazing. that that was our, I mean, that was our screw up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. I find it too. It's interesting, right? Like, you know, I'll give you another quick example. Driving to my meeting this morning for breakfast, a guy was pulling out of this uh, Home Depot parking lot and he swerved into my lane and then back into his lane. So I hit my brakes and beeped the horn. Um, so that we didn't collide. And then for the next five minutes, he followed behind me, giving me the finger, um, screaming. I could see him screaming in his car. And then we got to a light and I basically just put my hands up. I said like, calm down. Like I'm in my mirror doing this and he's in the mirror. I could see him freaking out. Like then he followed me almost to the entire diner. Like and at one point he finally gave up on following me, but I'm like, Oh am I, am I gonna have to deal with this guy and get out and fight with him? Because he's enraged, you know? But people are just so inundated and have so much pressure that I found that a lot of times when people are freaking out on small things or whatever they are, there's more to it oh. than than what's actually happening. We, we're we the catalyst, that one last straw that broke the camel's back, right? And, and you know, who knows who, like I have a mom who's been, the, the mom who's, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, was uh, with not getting the belt level and, and this kid, he didn't get tested. So we've been waiting like three or four times and the kid never shows up for his tests. So finally, the mom's mad at me because the kid's not being tested. So, you know, we did, we just tested him in class the other day. And so the mom wrote me a text message. Uh, I would have liked to have been notified. So I could have seen the test, but I understand she says, but I understand why you did it because like, I'm not waiting around anymore. Like I can't, I there's only so much that we could do to bend over backwards for our clientele. So it's almost like that old saying, beg for forgiveness, uh, you know, uh, but don't ask for permission. Right. So yeah. like we got it done. The kid got his belt. He's a good kid, great student, but you know, They're just unorganized and they're a mess so that we know that certain people, you know, and by the way, there's so many people with great potential that will never excel in what we do, not because they can't, not because we can't connect, not because they don't like it, just because they're so unorganized, so disorganized, so busy, so inundated with too much stuff that they never
0: are going to have a chance
1: of surviving,
0: right? Agreed. Agreed. So it's a shame. I, um, I, I want to throw this out there and I know you agree with it. Um, I don't want it to be just a conversation on goals. Right. But, you know, really, I think the, and maybe we should have started out with this, but the number one thing I, I think to help you with the struggles, depression, all these other things, um, disappointing people, whatever yeah. it is, is you really need to have a purpose. Right. A why, Mm. uh, goal or goals, whatever it is, not just monetarily, um, for your school. Right. And you know, when you have a clear decision on where you'd like to go, right. I think that that, well, I don't think, I know that that's going to make a dramatic difference when the hard stuff starts to happen. Yep. And so I think, I would encourage everyone to have some sort of, uh, and I, I actually learned this concept from John Graydon is begin with the end in mind. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've got to give credit where credit is due with regards to knowing the end result. And it took me a while to yeah. really understand why that was important. Not just, you know, because it was a concept that you're supposed to to do. Right. But really how it affects everything else going Backwards. Right. So I would say, you know, where is it that you'd like to be in 10 years, 20 years, or yeah. you ever see yourself selling your school uh or handing it down or whatever it is, but right. you guys I would encourage you to really forward think about that, put a date on it, and then start to do everything possible to get to that level. Right. Or that situation or whatever. And really, if you start to do that, let's just say 10 years from down the road, you want X, Y, Z, and A, B, C. With that in mind, then you're gonna go, you're gonna work harder. You gotta focus, you gotta plan, and you're going to your daily actions are more than likely going to start getting done. If you say I wanna do X, Y, and Z by one year, I don't think a, a one year goal is big enough. You know, I think it really needs to be more like a 10 year uh, or even a 12 year and then, you know, chunk it down into, you know, three year periods. So four, three year periods where, okay, what what do I have to accomplish in this three years in order to get to that 12 year goal? Yeah. And then the next three in order to get to the 12 year goal. Um, But I think beginning with the end of mind of what you want, why you want it, Mm -hmm. not just what you want, but really why you want it, that purpose. Right. Um, and then start working that backwards. And I think then once you do that, I really believe that some of the struggles and obstacles that come your way won't be as hard and, or at least won't be as uh, life altering right. as, they, as they could be. Now, that being said, um, you know, there are skills that, are going to need to be developed when these challenges, um, arise. Right. And, and I think a lot of people look at it that way, you know, I'm going to need skills in order to come over these channels, overcome these challenges. I I'd like to put a spin on that and, and, and say that you need those challenges in order to develop those skills. Right. Because generally without those challenges, you would never develop, those skills so when you have challenges like for us remember when covid hit us and dude we were on the phone talking we were zooming back and forth yep. i mean it was not daily but it was two or three times a week
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: easily not not just with our podcast but on on the side right no As for around. just just uh, sanity yes yeah
1: yeah you know what's interesting i i i, I heard a and watched a a, it's pretty conservative right right swinging podcast the other day um and uh it was about the society and the pitfalls that we're up against right now especially for our young generation and i i kind of agree with this because i see it within my martial arts school like but something as simple as not wearing their uniform not showing up on time, you know, but then you tell them over and over and over again, and they still continually push the envelope and break the rules, right? And I say to myself, you know, how how bad is that for the child or, or the, the student to constantly see that their parents are not teaching them standards in which to live a better life, you know, following rules and regulations. And then it went into the conversation, not with me, but with this podcast, went into like the lack of belief in religion. And I do believe that you know having some higher calling doesn't matter who it is, what it is that you believe in, and sometimes it's just the word integrity and morality that you have that inbred in you since a young child that you're able to be live a much more fulfilled, successful life. Um, And without it, you really have no direction and no real way of of you know you have no fear. Like for example this neighbor of mine who, um, is fighting with his, the other neighbor, finally the guy got arrested. And, you know, uh, until the handcuffs went on and he went and spent the night in jail, I don't think it set in because he could yell and scream and threaten and the cops would come and they'd file a little piece of paper and, you know, don't do it again, slap on the wrist. And he'd go back to being a lunatic the very next day he's back to doing what he wants. So, um, now that there was some form of consequence where you know like oh my god i just spent the night in jail if i do this again i'm going to end up doing that again so now i think hopefully that reality set in i hope i don't know he's a little uh, you know unst- unstable but um but in the same time you know maybe that will help him and i i wonder what your thoughts are on that in in regards to our schools you know like students i know you have a three time rule three offenses, they get a homework assignment, they have to write an essay. Um, you know, you'll someone doesn't know how to tie their belt, they're going to stand outside the class and keep on tying it until they get it. And, and look, I old school me would have sent them home, would have yelled at the parent, would have been upset with the kid. Nowadays, I'm a little bit more lenient because I'm like, man, do I need the stress in my life? Is it even worth it getting upset, having that conversation um, and uh, having to deal with that or I just let it go? But when I, each time I let it go, my standards start to decline and degrade. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, well, h- how, as teachers, do we, we keep ourselves motivated to.
0: The, yeah, like, look, um, I have, I have small little Senate sermons, <laughs> you know, and uh, when the time is right, I pull them out. And, you yeah. know, one of, one of the concepts that, that I that go to quite frequently is um, small things matter. Right. And how you do the small things and how you do everything. Yeah. And so if if you are, uh, you know, coming to the studio with your uniform disheveled, that's probably how you do everything else. Not right. everything, but mostly everything else is is disheveled. So we're going to take the time and we're going to do this one small thing. Correct. Yeah. Um, same thing oh, with tie I like that. belt. You know, you don't know how to tie your belt. That's your first responsibility as a martial arts student. Now we're going to give you time. But when. When it's already been eight weeks and uh, you're getting ready for your test and you don't know, still know how to tie your belt, well, that's a problem. That means right. that means that you've been walking in, mommy or daddy have been tying your belt and you haven't been doing it. And, and I have no problem because I'm a jerk. Uh, no, I, I have no problem in front of the parent saying to the kid, who tied your belt? My mom did. And I look at mom, mom, you are, you no longer can tie your, you no longer can tie Johnny's belt. Yeah, He has to learn how to do it on his own. He's going to fail many times before he learns how to do it on his own. And if he does not fail, then he's never going to learn how to do it on his own. So from here on out, you could say, I don't think that looks right. Or you could give some suggestions on, ooh, I don't think that's the way it goes. But you physically cannot do it anymore. Do you feel feel
1: that we – and by the way, I I see two scenarios in that case – and I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, but it's i not private it,
0: by the way, too. I say that in front of all the other parents, I mean,
1: yeah. And, and by the way, I see it like that could either one be a great lesson or two push the people out the door and they're going to get turned off by what you said. Like, I had a mom, uh, I think I mentioned this on one of the last podcasts where the kid, he's like 10 or 12 years old now. So I'm not talking like five or six comes walking out of our changing area, which is like our sitting area where we put on our shoes, walked out with his shoes. His mom and dad met him in the hallway and dropped his shoes on the floor. And I said, Hey buddy, you're supposed to put your shoes on back in that room. And he kind of looked at me, looked at her and she knelt down and put, he put the, put the shoes on his feet. Not like she literally lifted his foot and put the shoe on 12 years old now, and then tied his shoes. And I said, when he stood up after she did the whole thing, I said, listen, buddy, from now on, you can't do that ever again. You need to stay in that area until you have your shoes on, on your own and walk out. And the dad stepped back. So like the mom couldn't see him and she, he mouthed the word, thank you to me. Yeah. But I haven't seen them since. So, you know, so I, I go like, man, maybe I could have done that differently, maybe not approached it at that time. This is the instructor, the owner, school owner in me. Maybe I could have done it subtler, um, uh, you know, and they would still be here. Or, or maybe they they just haven't been here and it has nothing to do with the shoe incident. That could also be the case. But I say to myself, like, wow, like, where have our standards gone? You know, one person of mine told, I think one of our guests said that, he feels like the problem that with right and left is when they stop doing the Pledge of Allegiance in the in the classrooms in school, where they put their right hand over their heart, um, they stop doing that. So people at a young age are not learning their right from their left. Like There are still kids in my school that don't know left from right, and they're like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm blown away by it. So as, as a teacher, I'm frustrated at times. Like I wonder, like I, I wake up in the morning, dude, sometimes and I wait, literally my eyes open. My head isn't even off the pillow yet. I'm going like, what excuse can I come up with today to stay home? Cause I have, my classes are fully covered. I don't have to be there. Right. right. And, and it's, and I'll tell my guy, Ryan, I'll say, Ryan, I, you know, I have this and that going on. He's like, I got it. Don't worry. Like he doesn't care. This is what he does. He's young right. and he does it. But sometimes I'm like, man, I don't have the motivation sometimes because of this.
0: Well, I one I think clear is kind. So the more clear you can make the expectations and the rules, right. The kinder it is when you have to enforce them. Right. Um and so that's why like in one of our videos and and really they have to watch the video if they even want to know what what uh what the price is but um we we have our policy and procedures video. Mm. and we go over what you had talked about the three strike rule for um we have a responsibility strike and we have an attitude strike right responsibility strikes are if they're not bringing any of their material to class or if they're coming into any piece of their material even it could be even their tri-star t-shirt they're supposed to wear underneath they have everything else but they didn't wear the 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 required t-shirt they get a strike um if their uniform is disheveled if they are supposed to know how to tie their belt and they don't have it tied correctly, we can give them a strike. And so that's the responsibility strikes. Then the attitude strikes are uh, strikes given if they have the, the wrong type of attitude on the train floor or in the waiting area. And so we can say, Johnny, that's one you're sitting out. Hmm. You know, Johnny, that's two. You're sitting out, and we do a three strike. So, for instance, I was helping with a five and six year old class last night. Uh, this little kid, he's he he needs help. He needs help, and uh, I, I I and I'm not going to get into what type of help he needs, but uh, I, I just basically told him. I said, "Hey, sir," I called him by name, but I'm not going to give the name out on the podcast. Um, I said, "Hey, sir," I said, um, "I I I asked you to stand up." So he did a little forward roll and then stood up. I go, no, that's not what I asked you to do. Yeah. Now you go sit down and let's try that again. And so then I said, stand up, sir. And then he did like two little crawls and then stood up. I said, it's not what I asked you to do. All I asked you to do is stand up. And then he did one other thing. I don't know. And I said, sir, that's one. I said, would you like to go to two? Boom, he just stood up correctly. Right. Then the next time we went through the line, he did something. I don't know what it was. And I just said, so that's two. Right. And then he got to three because uh, I know he did it on purpose. We we're doing a front choke. And then you do uh, you do the pluck and then you do the front kick. And you're supposed to do two palm strikes. And he slapped me right in the face. Wow. And I said, sir, sit down. And he went over to the wall and sat down. And that was his one strike. And now he has one permanent strike on his record with us. Wow. And so then I went over to the parent afterwards. And I said, this is what happened, you know? And uh, the parent was like, yep, understand, thank you. I agree. I mean, yeah. to me, it didn't matter whether they agreed or not, but, right. and I explained what happens on the second strike and third strike. third strike. We, and it's even in our policy manual that we reserve the right to suspend you from one month to indefinite. Wow. So that's how we deal with that. It's not fun, but that's how I deal with it.
1: You know, it's interesting. There's a show that my daughter and I just started watching on. I think it's on Hulu. It's called The Parent Test, or it might be on Amazon and uh it's a pan it's a it's a group of like 10 different families uh you know hu- husband and wives they have uh different parenting styles which is like you know the new age parent the traditional parent the really serious and you know it's kind of funny because kiara and i used to love this show called fresh off the boat and it's about an asian family and a typical asian family uh this the the the, the Uh, scenario is like the kids do math from like you know the minute they wake up to the minute they go to sleep there and we're done with that they're playing violin while the mom is doing math problems and uh, they're tiger moms right yeah they had the Asian family on there as well and they were very serious same thing girls playing violin while her mom's reading off math problems but anyway they have a contest and they view them through different scenarios. And they, they start to say like, okay, like what would they do in a stranger danger scenario? Even though the parents taught them, don't answer the door when a stranger comes to the door or don't leave with somebody when they offer you to come visit their puppies. And then right. they watch the kids under the pressure test and see which ones fail and succeed. And at the end, they see which parenting style works better. Um, And then they do, they they judge the parents. There's a panel of psychiatrists and motivational speakers and people that judge the styles of parenting and they determine which ones work best. And then they're going to work it down until I guess they get the best parenting style that has succeeded with most of the tests. Right. Um, But it's pretty interesting to see how people parent. And it scares me because I see that within my school as well. Like I see like, you know, the kids that are not really excelling or the ones that don't show up for anything and the ones that are not involved. uh, And uh, you could clearly see that in their performances.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, You know, you, I've kind of touched on this, but I think the other thing that helps or can help school owners, and and we do this, is, you know, having a group of school owners that you can uh, share what's happening uh, in your school, in your life, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and be very selective though. Um, and it doesn't even have to be school owners to be quite honest with you, but it, right. I think it does have to be another entrepreneur because they got to understand the struggles. Yeah. Um, but being able to bounce those ideas off of, but be very, very selective mm-hmm. in who that individual or individuals are, because what you don't want is you don't want somebody to commiserate with you. You want somebody to understand right. what you're going through and go, yeah, I, I you know, had that same thing happen to me. Right. And yeah. then maybe, you know, give you some advice if you're asking for it, but otherwise be a very good listener. But what you do not want is you don't want to say, yeah, and this happened to me and I hate that person now. And right, like, right, right, right. Yeah. You don't want to be, you know, miserable with it's somebody drama. else. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That drama is like people love to surround themselves with other other equally emotional people, whether it be happy people like to be around happy people, sad people like to be around sad people, negative people around negative people. So you got to be careful of who you choose as your sphere of influence, right? Um, and, and be very careful with that. I, I know it's a scary thing. Like, I, I mean, the reason why we do these podcasts is to share with others, like what a school owner goes through. And we've lived it for, I mean, 30, I'm going on 32 years this November. Um, And before that, when I was a kid, I owned a school when I was a young kid, like 15 to 17 years old. My teachers dangled the keys, threw them at me and said, here you go. It's your school. Run it. And I did that for like two years as a young guy before I was even 18 years old. And uh, I just decided I didn't want to run a school at that time in my life. But, uh, so I have a long list of experiences and, and a lot of mistakes that I've made throughout the years, like things that I probably wouldn't have done, wouldn't do now. I wish I could go back in time, change the things that I said, you know, acted the way I acted. And, you know, I was learning along the way as well. I didn't have a a sensei like Mr. Miyagi that could mentor me in the proper way to do it. I, I, I learned through trial and tribulation, watching my teachers do what they did and how they ran their schools. Some less dysfunctional than others, but it was it was a different world back then. Um, and now, today, I think we're leaning so far to one side where it's so much fluff. Like, I, I really have to be honest; I can't stand hearing a lot of these new, younger students, teachers, these school owners everything is all about motivation and positive this and positive reinforcement. And there's no real martial art in it. There's no real struggle and trial and tribulation. And I feel like that's where a lot of the lessons lie in in going in in a, a, a tournament and failing, going in to a test and not doing well, or, you know, thinking that you're so tough and getting the crap kicked out of you, right? You know, then you're like, wow, maybe maybe I do need to train harder. Um, you know, so I think that we're missing that this in this day and age is too, it's too woke, right? Everything is too, like, let's not offend anyone. Let's not, you know, say anything. Like I, there was a post on century, uh, martial arts a, a while back. And it said, like, how do we approach the topic of pronouns within our martial arts school? And I'm like, you don't because Sabanim sensei, those are generic terms. They don't have a, uh, genetics attached to them. They don't have sexuality attached to them. You're a sensei, you're a teacher. There's no male, female, they, though, him, whatever. You don't even have to bridge that gap. I don't think that's up to us as martial artists to teach that and, and even talk about it. I think it's more of a parent thing.
0: Yeah, I would, I, I would agree with that, but I understand the question though. I mean, I, I really do. You know why they're proposing it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I've not had to navigate that at all. Right. So um, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure at some point I'll have to navigate it, but right. I'm not, I'm not worried about it at the moment. I, 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 I heard John Maxwell teach on this one time and it was just kind of funny because, you know, you're, you, 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 we understand that in order to succeed uh, we have to fail. Right. Right. But We the concept was the fact that, you know, we look at failure as its own entity and then we look at success as its own entity. Yep. And this is the Dwayne Brummett uh, dissected version. Okay, so, you know, you have Batman and you have Joker. And so they are two different entities. Right. So let's say Batman is success and Joker is failure. That's how we typically look at that, right? But it's not. Mm-hmm. So think about Harvey Dent, right? Harvey Dent is really the epitome of success and failure because you cannot have one without the other. Agreed. Two faced, right? Yeah. Um, they're not success and failure aren't cousins. Success and failure aren't even siblings. Success and failure are actually one entity. Right. To me, that was a big eye opener going, wow. You know, it, it they're not two different. I mean, they are two different things, but they're yeah. really one and the same because you cannot have one without the other. And in right. fact, um, the more failures you have, the more success or successful you should be as long as you obviously learn from those failures and not let them defeat you. Does that kind of make sense?
1: It totally makes sense, but I'd like to take that one step further. So, I mean, I think it's, I agree with you a thousand percent. Like, and by the way, it's the typical yin yang philosophy, right? You know, opposites, right? You know, hot, cold, fast, slow, male, female, good, bad, you know, hot, uh, you know, all that. Right. Um, But I, I believe that in the Eastern cultures, failure is not looked at in fact it's not even actually a word right you know there's a word for failure right but it's not they don't look at it that way it's all just part of progress i guess the only way to explain it to people who don't understand that concept is that without failure there will never be any successes so but the but unfortunately I see this a lot that parents won't allow their kids to do things that they think that they may fail at because they're afraid that that failure is going to devastate them for the rest of their lives where they won't ever try to succeed at anything. But I I think that they need that, don't they?
0: Well, uh, yeah. And I'm coming from a, yes, I agree. But I'm coming from even an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, you know, as a school owner, how many times did I fail? And well, man, I sucked at that. Yeah. Right. I screwed that up. Um, and without going back to what I'd said before, the goal, the purpose, the end in mind, without that, I I could easily have been defeated and not pressed on or given right. up. But because I had that purpose, it didn't stop me. It may have slowed me down um, or it may have taught me a skill that I needed to have. Um, but it it was important to have that. And so I guess the point I'm getting to for, you know, school owners is we are going to have these struggles. We're going to have these failures, but look at them as opportunities as opposed to, you know, uh, something that's so detrimental to yourself or even to your business. I mean, I I was like over, well over a hundred thousand dollars in debt after I bought my partners out because right. I didn't I didn't understand cash flow. Right. I was put everything on a credit card. I mean, i I don't have any credit card debt now, but yeah. I I went through that and I could have closed. I could have filed bankruptcy. I could have done a bunch of different things. yeah had I not had a purpose? and then yes, did I find other people that, that you know straightened me out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and helped me make more money, and then how to you know yeah. uh, pay this off without killing myself in the yeah. process, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but um, I, th- I, I I think the right understanding as an entrepreneur on success and failure is vitally important. Yes, for our students, hands down. And then what yeah. we learn as entrepreneurs, we can put those into these little. Uh, Five minute mat chats, or senate sermons, or little articles that we're going to share with our students. I mean, that's what I did to build our our character development. The 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 crap that I went through and the stuff that I knew prior to that's what that's all I talked about. Yeah, you know, when I had a conflict one time uh, with somebody outside of the studio that didn't like me, I used that as a mat chat. Right. I remember my my uh, black belt class. I was talking about the fact that you guys realize that you know not everybody's gonna like you in life, right? And if you made a mistake, this is how you apologize. This is how you follow up, right? But after you do that, they still don't like you. It's not your fault, right? And then I told them, I said, "Do you realize that there's people that don't like Mr. Brummett?" Hmm. And now they're black belts, so they've been with me for you know four, five, six, seven years, whatever it was at that time. Their mouths were like dropped, right? Because they all love me, right? And so. Whatever the heck I was going through at that time, I found a way to utilize those things as map chats to help my students out, to help me out. Right. You know, I, dude, was I preaching to them? Sure, but yeah. the person I really was preaching to was myself.
1: Yep, exactly. So, so I saw a sports figure on re, the reels on Instagram just recently. I don't even know who he is. I think he's a footballer. Whether that be base, uh football american football or soccer i don't know uh and a reporter asked him like you know something about why is the team failing this year and he said i don't understand why you even ask a question that's so negative he said that this is sports there's always going to be a winner always going to be a loser sometimes people perform better sometimes they don't He said, but does that mean that they failed? He said, no, we just didn't win that game. And I find that's the same thing when I have people go into tournaments and the kids don't win a first place, second, or third or fourth place trophy. Uh, They maybe get a medal for participating. And I find that a lot of times parents don't understand. It's not the place that they take. It's about how they performed and whether they're able to go back, analyze their performance and be better the next time. That's why I try to discourage even people, the philosophy of failure and success. Because if we use the word as failure, it's nothing more than a stepping stone towards success. And I play guitar and I remember taking guitar lessons and practicing the entire week for hours and hours to get the lesson down so I could show my teacher that I got it. And when I did it in front of him, I would make a mistake. And then he'd go, I guess you didn't practice. Meanwhile, in my head, I'm going, I did three hours a night for the last seven days and I still suck, you know, but at the same time, I knew that it took time to do that skill. And I watch him perform. He literally is just magical on the guitar. He could play anything anyway. He's just never makes mistakes or at least none that I can tell. right? Right. And I think that we don't realize that this is part of the experience. And parents don't realize that, like um, Rick Kellerman, c For Kellerman wrote, speaking of uh, Harvey Dent and Two-Face, he wrote, speaking of Batman, the conversation perfectly explains when when Bruce Wayne falls into the well and his dad gets him out of the well and he says, hey Bruce, why do we fall? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, so that we learn how to get back up. Yeah. right. Because if we're always picking our kids up and this happens all the time, we're always coddling them through everything. And I get it. We're all parents. We we know we don't want our kids to experience pain. Like my daughter, she's 23. She'll probably kill me if I talked about this, but I'm going to anyway, right? She's, she, she doesn't really listen to the podcast, but um, she's dating. This be me. the one that she She used to listen to my podcast all the time, but she's dating now. And I'll talk to her. I'll go, hey, how was your date? How was your, you know, what'd you guys talk about? You know, and she gets very weirded out by it and she doesn't want to talk to me about it. But I said, Kiara, I'm just looking to talk to you like an adult. I mean, I have experienced dating my entire life. I'm 58. I've had three wives and, you know, been married three times and had many girlfriends. I said, I'm just trying to share with you some of my knowledge. You could take it for what it's worth. Um, Don't take it as a criticism. Just take it as kind of like Ali's roadmap to dating and take out and pick out and extricate the things that you want that might be valuable to you, but don't ever shut it down because it's your dad talking. And the other day we had a great conversation, you know, and she opened up to me on a lot of things. And I was like, wow, this is cool because she saw me more as a person that will share with her rather than critique her and tell her how to do it and how she better do it. Mm-hmm. And so, on. I think that parents don't get that these days. They're too used to protecting their kids from, from failure or from making a mistake or having a, what I call a speed bump that they have to go over.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It, it was, what was it? Two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Um, my, our youngest, he was going to an interview for um, I can't think of the name an internship. Ah. And uh, so we were talking and he was asking me questions and you know, what should I wear? And, uh, and I said, well, let me just put it to you this way. I go, you, you should always dress for the position that you want. Right. And he's like, okay. He goes, but I know it's casual. So I know that they're going to be business casual, just slacky pant, you know, slacks and a, and yeah. a, a nice shirt. I said, well, what position do you want there? He goes, well, I'm going for that. And I go, that wasn't the question. I said, what position do you want? Right. And he just had to pause. I said, do you want that position? Or do you want to own the company? Right. He goes, well, heck, I'd rather own the company. I said, then I think you should go dressed as if you already own the company. Right. I love it. That's awesome. So he did what I told him to do. He, he wore a suit and tie. Um, you know, was he, and I, and I just told him, I said, you can't, you can't overdress. You can underdress. Right. You can't overdress. And I said, Excluding the fact that if you had rented a tuxedo yeah. <laughs> and you go there, then you can overdress. Right. Right. You know? Right. Um, and then, so he took my advice on that. And then he was talking about some things and I, and I said, I'm going to just share this with you. I go, you know, one thing that I go, I think, you know what I'm going to say, cause you've heard me talk about this before, but one thing, you know, when the interview is over and they say to you, um, you know, yep. Thank you for coming. You know, we'll let you know, blah, 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 whatever then you should always have the last question. And I go, this is what you should say. You know, based upon the interview today, is there any reason why I wouldn't get this job or get this position? Yeah. So you ask that for two reasons. One, you ask it because you want to be in control of the conversation at the end. Yeah. And you want to be memorable. But two is if there's anything that was misconstrued in the interview at the end, they may say, yeah, you know what? What about this? You said X, Y, and Z that allow you to clarify what you meant by said topic or said statement. Yeah. And then there was crickets. He didn't respond to me when I said that to him. And I said, you know, Keegan, I just want you to understand something that that free advice is usually not followed advice. Right. And then I just left it. And it's funny because while we were doing our podcast, he texted me and said he got the position. So that's when you saw me down on my phone texting. I was just texting him back saying, oh, hey, yeah. I can't you know, respond right now. But congratulations, I'm doing my podcast. And then I took a quick picture of us. Ah, so oh, that's you know, funny. That's great, but, man. Good for him. You know, congratulations. Well, thank you. But isn't that the case, right? You know, Free advice is usually not acted upon.
1: Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, what do they? You know, they call them assholes at times when people ask things and don't take the advice. <laughs> I've
0: never heard that.
1: Yeah, that's what they that that, that they people say that person's an asshole. All they do is keep on asking, but they'll never ever listen. I have that sometimes when I coach, people will say, "Hey, how do I do this or do that?" and then they don't work or do what they just asked me. I think they just want to talk about it and invent. and and you know sometimes. Quite often, I feel coaching to me is a little bit of a mini counseling session, just to let that person vent. And sometimes the clients will vent to me, just like you and I would talk to each other about our frustrations. They they don't have anyone to do it with, so they utilize me to do that with. And you know, and I quite quite often they say, "Oh, this is a really good." session they'll call it i feel so much better i was in a bad mood before we talked and now i'm in a good mood you know (laughs) right even if i can motivate them for the next six or seven days before we get back on the call again it it did its purpose
0: yes so i just look i want to recap real quick encourage you as a school owner you're not the only one that goes through a bunch of crud um you know with the years that ali and i both have done this it's well over 50 years uh you know collective and We've probably have seen it all or most to it all uh, or most of it all. And so just know that you're, you're not the only one that's that's dealing with it. Second is know what your purpose is and where you want to go. Third is plan that purpose out, kind of chunk it down. And then, you know, get the right, surround yourself with the right individuals that are going to support you to get to that plan or purpose whether they're inside of the martial arts industry, which some should be, I think. And then also if they're outside the martial arts industry, that's okay as well. So I just kind of wanted to recap real quick. You got anything left?
1: No, that was awesome. I I enjoy these calls. I enjoy a lot of them. I took away a few things that you said, small things mean everything. I'm gonna make a poster and put it on my wall. And uh, you know, I, I think that one quote that I loved and I'll leave people with this is failure is a lack of vision. Sometimes it's just not knowing what you're looking to do so if you don't under our old saying you don't know what you don't no, no, know no. if you're not sure of the outcome because you don't know it find someone that could help you that's done it before who has achieved the outcome that you're looking to achieve agreed yeah awesome Dwayne. great talking to you so uh we'll talk soon
0: yes yep. sir have a good one All
1: right. thank you see you later
0: bye right, everyone Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add Health Coaching, helping school owners create a new and easy to implement revenue stream for your school. Visit AddHealthCoaching.com. Lead Hunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit LeadHunterMedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group. They can be reached at AcademyKings.com. And Spark Membership. Hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at SparkMembership.com. We will see you next time.